Welcome to God's Word for Life Lesson Companion Podcast, brought to you by Word of Flame Curriculum and the Pentecostal Publishing House. This podcast encourages adult disciples to think deeply about God's Word, further develop their personal relationship with Jesus Christ, and make a greater commitment to the purpose and plan of God for their lives. Let's dive into today's lesson and explore what it means to live out God's Word in our lives. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to God's Word for Life. I'm your host, Jonathan McClintock. This is episode number 58. This is a Lesson Companion podcast, so for those of you who are Word of Flame curriculum customers, we invite you to grab your Living Word Spring 2021 Lesson Manual or Student Workbook and turn to Lesson number 13, intended for May 30th, 2021, the lesson entitled, We Need the Lord. For those of you who are not Word of Flame curriculum customers, we invite you to grab your Bibles, sit back, and let's dive into God's Word together. All right, well, before we look into God's Word together, if you want to go ahead and turn there, another minor prophet, the book of Obadiah, Obadiah chapter 1, and we're going to read several verses in that chapter, Obadiah chapter 1. Before we do that, LG had it all. She had loving parents and lots of friends and good food, great clothes, a warm house, and lots of room to play and grow. She was happy and thankful, but she knew something was missing inside, and During her teenage years, she would go to the altar at her family's church after every service to pray and seek the Lord. She sought God, but members of her church would often tell her that she did not really need to go pray at the altar all the time. She had accepted Jesus, and that was fine, and she was fine. This was the scene again and again until at 16 years of age, LG lost hope and became restless inside. Her heart still yearned for God, but she felt empty. The week of her 17th birthday, she went out with her friends came home drunk, and was quickly grounded by her disappointed parents. Her friend invited her to church, and her parents consented, since their rules for the grounding did not extend to church. On the night of her birthday, she entered a little Pentecostal church. The service was like nothing she had ever seen. There was upbeat music and loud singing, preaching, and people crying out as they felt God's presence. Even with what she described as a wild service, she once again felt that familiar tugging in her heart and went down to the altar. As she cried, feeling overwhelmed by the demonstrative worship all around her, someone raised her hands and told her to just say the name of Jesus. After speaking the name of Jesus a few times, her speech suddenly changed. As she worshipped and began to magnify the Lord, she began to speak in an unknown language. She was filled with the Holy Ghost with the sign and evidence of speaking in other tongues. Her eyes were wide open and she pointed at her mouth, not understanding what had happened. But she knew this was what she had been looking for. She had pursued God, and he had met her need. We're going to look in the book of Obadiah, chapter number one, and this lesson entitled, We Need the Lord. The focus thought is, God will bless those who recognize their need and pursue him. So would you turn with me to Obadiah, chapter one, and let's see what God's word would speak to us today. Right, Obadiah chapter 1. Let's look at the first four verses and then we're going to skip down to verse 17 and read about five verses. Obadiah chapter 1, verse number 1. The vision of Obadiah. Thus saith the Lord God concerning Edom. We have heard a rumor from the Lord and an ambassador is sent among the heathen. Arise ye and let us rise up against her in battle. Behold, I have made thee small among the heathen. Thou art greatly despised. 
The pride of thine heart hath deceived thee, thou that dwellest in the clefts of the rock, whose habitation is high, that saith in his heart, Who shall bring me down to the ground? Though thou exalt thyself as the eagle, and though thou set thy nest among the stars, thence I will bring thee down, saith the Lord. Skip down to verse 17. But upon Mount Zion shall be deliverance, and there shall be holiness, and the house of Jacob shall possess their possessions, and the house of Jacob shall be a fire, and the house of Joseph a flame, and the house of Esau for stubble, and they shall kindle in them and devour them, and there shall not be any remaining of the house of Esau, for the Lord hath spoken it. And they of the south shall possess the mount of Esau, and they of the plain the Philistines, and they shall possess the fields of Ephraim, and the fields of Samaria, and Benjamin shall possess Gilead. And the captivity of the host of the children of Israel shall possess that of the Canaanites, even unto Zarephath. And the captivity of Jerusalem, which is in Sepharad, shall possess the cities of the south. And last verse, verse 21, And saviors shall come up on Mount Zion to judge the Mount of Esau, and the kingdom shall be the Lord's. This lesson that these verses are tied to in uh, the Living Word, Spring 21, um, we're going to just look at the scripture passage here today and kind of draw some truths from it here in Obadiah chapter 1. And when we see these first four verses, you're going to see the term Edom mentioned, and it's uh, Obadiah, the prophet of God, is pronouncing judgment on Edom. Now, Edom, the Edomites, are descendants of Esau. You remember the story of Jacob and Esau. Uh, Esau, the firstborn, and Jacob, how he uh, squirmed his way and kind of conned his way, conned uh, Esau from his birthright and the blessing that he was rightfully due, Esau was rightfully due, Jacob got it, and it was really because Esau, um, in just a few moments of his life, showed that he didn't really care about the things of God. He didn't really treasure them, I guess I should say, as much as as he should have. He didn't really protect the promises, protect the birthright, protect the provision and the the things that God was going to do because he was the firstborn, the blessing that his dad was going to give him should have been his. Esau didn't really, did not really uh, protect those and possess those. And so we see this through through the descendants of Esau, these Edomites, we see Obadiah describing them as this very proud people. They had built their uh, their city, they had built the place where most of them lived, built it in the clefts of the rock, kind of in the side of the mountain, kind of up high. Just They, they built it in, an, uh, in a place that was not very accessible to other people. It was very protected. It was very, uh, it, it was very, it was like a fortress in some ways. And, and Edom was, saw themselves, they, they, they were very proud, haughty people. And they were then pronounced, there was a judgment pronounced upon them. Why does, why does pride bring people down? Why does pride bring people down? We see here this vision of Obadiah, the Lord speaking and prophesying to him, prophesying to Edom that God's going to bring you down. Verse 4 says, I will bring thee down, saith the Lord. I mean, very clear that, there, that, that God was not pleased with them. 
other scripture says that pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. We understand, we see it play out in our lives. We see it play out probably in the arena of sports where people, teams can become completely overconfident. Um, I always hear the sports that I follow from time to time, you know, there'll be a team playing and they they're going to play a, a, a team that's really lesser than them first. And the next game after that is going to be really a game they've really got to get up for because the team is, 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 is really good and it's going to be a challenge. And there's this term, or at least this, this thought process, this, this, this expression that's usually, that's usually talked about during this time that the teams are told don't look past this opponent. Don't look past the team you're playing today and look and, and, and focus on the next game. The reason they say that is because too often teams have looked past the present opponent because they they, they feel like somewhere inside they feel like, ah, oh, we should beat this team. So they're, they're already looking past and thinking about the next team. Now teams will tell you, oh, we don't do that. But there's a reason that that's become a thing and that, that that's something that's said because – teams do that it's an it's a natural sometimes a natural thing for humans to become prideful we have to fight that pride we can't give into it we can't let it take over us we all fight pride from time to time we become prideful about things and God is pronouncing judgment through the prophet Obadiah on the Edomites Esau's descendants because this spirit of pride has over taking them. Why does pride bring people down? Because in, in, in the scriptures, pride brings people down because they leave God out. They think, oh, we can do it. We've got this under control. We can make it on our own. Pride brings people down because they leave God out. As I said, Esau did not value the things of God. Esau valued what he wanted to value. Esau didn't didn't hold on and value the things of God. So pride is really a way of us pushing God out and saying, we can handle this on our own. We can do this on our own. We're in control. I can handle this situation. I don't need God. Now, we might not really say that. And if that was brought to our attention, that that's what we're saying, many of us, it would convict us. Wow, I, I, didn't, I don't want to say that. I don't, I don't really feel that way. And yet we can get caught up in things and we can adopt that attitude of pride. And God, through the prophet Obadiah, is pronouncing judgment on Edom he says, I will bring thee down. Pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. And God hates the sin of pride. Because when we push God out and leave God out, we're saying we can control things, we can do things on our own, and God is sitting back saying it, it, it upsets him because he knows we are headed to destruction. Because without him, we can do nothing of value. We've got to have him. As the title of this lesson that these verses begin in, in this book, we need the Lord. We need the Lord. When you skip down to verse 17, this next set of verses, we, we see kind of the, the, the idea change. I will bring thee down, saith the Lord. Then we have a few verses. And then verse 17 says, but upon Mount Zion shall be deliverance. There shall be holiness, and the house of Jacob shall possess their possessions. The house of Jacob shall be a fire, verse 18 says. The house of Joseph a flame, the house of Esau for stubble. 
So we see this opposite, that this is what's going to happen to Edom, but the house of Jacob, but Zion, but Israel is going to experience deliverance and there's going to be, there's going to be blessing and there's going to be great things. Why? Why was Jacob and Israel blessed? Why was, why was then this blessing pronounced on Mount Zion and on Jacob and the house of Joseph, which is this Israel? Because Jacob valued the things of God. Jacob valued the things of God. It was Jacob. He saw the value in Esau's birthright. He knew what that, he knew what that meant. And Jacob, when he's making his stew in the house, and Esau comes into the house after a long day of hunting, and Esau's famished. He hadn't eaten really all day, and he's really hungry. And we know what that feels like. We we know, we don't know. Most of you listening here today don't know what real hunger feels like, but we know what it feels like to miss out on a few meals during a day and get home at the end of the day and hadn't eaten all day and maybe you didn't even realize it because you were so busy and you just, and then when you finally had time to slow down and man, I am so hungry. I, I, I've had those times where my sugar drops or, or whatever and you get shaky and you're just like, I've got to put something in my mouth. I've got to have something. And I think that's kind of where, where Esau was here. Esau wasn't, in a, in, a, in, a, in a family that didn't have food. Esau didn't know true starvation like there are people around the world who know really true starvation. But Esau was kind of in the boat that we have been in times, blessed because we have abundance. But he had spent this day and finally realized he hasn't eaten and he's starving, he says, you know. He's famished and he needs some food. And so he comes into the house and he smells this stew. Jacob was making his famous stew and he comes in the house and he's so hungry and he says, Jacob, let me have a, a, a bowl of that stew. I'm just so famished right now. And Jacob sees his opportunity because Jacob sees value in what Esau has as the firstborn. And Jacob says, I'll give it to you if you give me your birthright. Now, why didn't Esau just say, uh, you're, you're an idiot. There's no way I'm giving that to you. I'll just go to the pantry and find me something else. I'll grab some bread or I'll do something. I, I'm not going to give you my birthright for a bowl of your stew, even though it is good, even though it's, it's famous here in Canaan. I'm not going to give you a bowl. I'm not going to give you my birthright for a bowl of stew. Why didn't he say that? Don't you think he, he could have, he could have found something to eat? I'm sure there was something in the house you would think. But it's because Esau didn't value his birthright. He didn't value the things of God. That birthright carried with it promises from the Almighty. Promises that God had made to Abraham and to Isaac, his father. There were promises there, heavenly, spiritual promises. But Esau didn't value them. But Jacob saw value in it. And Jacob said, I'll give it to you if you give me a birthright. And what did Jacob? Do? What did Esau do? He just gave him his birthright. Said, "Sure, you can have it." Jacob valued the things of God, and here we see generations later, God is pronouncing blessing because Jacob taught his family to value the things of God. Now let's wrap this up here, looking at the last few verses. Again, he talks about the south shall possess the Mount of Esau. So again, back to further 
Um, Esau is gonna is not gonna flourish anymore. Esau is gonna face some judgment because they left God out. They have, they have they have despised God. They've despised the things of God. And verse twenty one says, "And saviors shall come up on Mount Zion to judge the Mount of Esau, and the kingdom shall be the Lord's. The kingdom shall be the Lord's." So what what follows those who recognize their need of God? What follows those people who recognize, I need God. I need God in my life. Well, you can probably answer that because of what we just talked about. But blessings follow those. Blessings are given to those who recognize their need of God. Who say, yes, God's blessed me. God's given me talent. God's given me ability. And there are things he's He's made it that I can do, and there's there's things He's made it that I can accomplish, and that I can that I can do with the skill that He's placed in me. There's nothing wrong with recognizing the abilities God's given you, as long as you recognize it's He's given it to you. But when though when when we recognize not only that yes we have the ability, but we can't do it without God. We need God, and when we recognize our need of God, blessings will follow. So this week, I'm going to challenge you to do a couple things. I challenge you, first of all, make sure, are you valuing the things of God? Be grateful. Uh, protect those things of God. Don't be like Esau, but protect them. Share with your family the things of God. Tell them of the goodness of the Lord. Value. Make sure we are valuing the things of God. And then secondly, show and recognize your need of God. Put him first this week. Pray, talk to him. Put him first in your life and watch God bless you. If we will show and recognize our need of him, the blessings of God will follow us all the days of our life, David said. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Lord Jesus, we are so grateful, grateful for your promises, grateful for the provision that you give us every single day, every single morning we wake up to your faithfulness and to your greatness in our lives, and we are so thankful. God, we ask you right now, first of all, we thank you for those blessings, but we also ask you to search our hearts. If there's any pride, there's any any self-sufficiency, a spirit of self-sufficiency in our lives that we, we've pushed you out of any area of our lives, God, I pray you'd forgive us and help us. We turn ourselves back to you. We don't want to be like Edom. We don't want to be like Esau who have pushed you out of our lives, pushed you out and said we can do this on our own. We want to be like Jacob who values the things of God, grasps after the things of God, sees purpose and plan in the things of God, and wants the things of God more than anything in this life. God, we seek to please you and seek after you. We ask your blessings to rest upon each one listening today. Let your will be done in their lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to God's Word for Life Lesson Companion Podcast, where together we explore what it means to live out God's Word in our lives. If you haven't yet, make sure to subscribe to this podcast. And if you are looking for other Bible study tools and resources to encourage you in your walk with God, visit us today at PentecostalPublishing.com.